Administration of Justice. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today, Melody Eagles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. And Mo Walker. Welcome. I'm glad to be here, Luke. I am too, because we are going to be discussing one of the shows that I have just fallen in love with. It's a new show on the CW called Stargirl. It's based off the DC comic. Um, it starts, stars Luke Wilson, Amy Smart, Breck Basinger as Courtney Whitmore, and Trey Romano as Mike Dug- uh, Duggan, or Dugan, however you want to pronounce it. The basic premise is there's two families, Luke and Trey. Uh, Luke marries... Uh, Luke Wilson's character Pat marries Courtney Whitmore, Stargirl's, the eventual Stargirl's mother. And so you have a blended family. Um, the pilot starts off with them, I think it was in California, if I'm remembering correctly. And um, they're going to Nebraska where um, Amy Smart's Barbara has a new job. And when they get there... Courtney comes across the cosmic staff and that sort of sets off um, the premise like that sets off her character on a journey. One of the other things that is tied into this journey is the fact that her her biological father disappeared. And so when she discovers the cosmic staff, she thinks that because it is drawn to her and she activates it, that Starman, Starman, who was portrayed by Joel McHale and who was killed in the pilot in like the history, but was that was depicted in the pilot. She thinks that he's his her father, and so there's this subplot of she feels like she has to live up to her father, Starman, um, and we don't know if that's actually the case. Mel, what were your first impressions of the pilot? Honestly, I thought it was a really strong pilot. Um, I think the little lead actress is great, uh, Breck Basinger. She's a baby who knows where she is, and I can appreciate it. Um, but I did. I, I like the way the pilot flowed. Get a little bit of flashback to see that, you know, her father didn't come back and he was dead. And we have our blended family here. And But you, you also get to see flashes of Starman, who's portrayed by um, Joel McHale, and you see, you know, flashbacks of, of that and the battle and, and everything that's kind of led up to them being here. It's little snippets, and I like that, too. Um, you know, it's hard being the new person in school, so she has to deal with that, too. But she also has this cosmic staff literally following her, literally calling to her to, you know, step up and take it and become, you know, Stargirl. So I I like the way it's going. It kind of feels like that it's not rushing and blowing through the story too fast. You know, as she's learning, we're learning. And I like that about the pilot. So it, it was a really good, strong pilot for me. It definitely wanted, I wanted more after I saw the first episode. Well, I found her to be very, a very fresh and exuberant um face in terms of like her portrayal there's some she blends the innocence and the like 
just absorbing as much knowledge as she possibly can about the cosmic staff, what she wants to learn about the uh, Justice Society of uh, America, which is no longer, which no longer exists as it was once known because Mm -hmm. the uh, Injustice Society of America killed all of them off, or that's what we're led to believe in the, in the pilot. Mo, what did you think of the pilot? I thought it was very charming and, you know, I I feel like you can definitely tell there was a lot of love and craft going into the pilot, which is honestly as a comic book fan and as a comic book fan of, of the Justice Society of America, um, the source material, you can tell that the showrunner who, and I can talk a little bit about the showrunner later, um, really truly drew inspiration from the source material and that the casting is, is it's wonderful casting. I mean, we've all talked about how Brett Bassinger just really em- embodies this 15 year old who is, you know, just trying to find her way in life. Very exuberant. Um, there's this, obviously this classic coming of age story. I feel like we got a little bit of Harry Potter in there tonally it's this nice contrast to what we've been getting with like the a lot of the Arrowverse shows um where it's it's a little darker in 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 certain episodes but i think that the tone the energy the exuberance it feels like this is an all ages show this is not just a show for the hardcore superhero fans because there is a bit of that but i think it it really dumbs down and i don't mean dumb down in a pejorative kind of way but it lowers the the bar and the entry level so that anyone can come in and again i think that this is a really good all ages show and i have to say that luke luke wilson really speaking of charming. just surprised me he is he you know he he pat i mean pat dugan you know he the character is set up as as the quintessential stepfather a sort of you know you got this whole brady bunch kind of setup going on except that clearly fewer children but luke it just is like i don't see luke wilson as i'm thinking luke wilson comedian from like 20 years ago i'm seeing this middle-aged man who who is this crazy inventor tinkerer you know who's trying to be a good stepfather and loving husband to his wife but he has this secret in this whole other life that goes on and it this is a really good role for him and and i i think it it, it's it's a role that you know he can do more I, i can see him as more of a fatherly figure um and and not just like the goofball comedian who's getting drunk and stuff, you know. And I'm not a um, huge fan of his from his other works, but he fits this role perfectly. Easily, the pilot just just left me wanting more, and 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 that's a really good feeling. You you didn't feel exhausted. It's just like you got enough information to keep you. Wanting to come back to the second episode. What I loved about the pilot is, and I think that your word charming was 
the perfect description for the, the the pilot and for the series of the four episodes that I've watched this far. There, it has heart. Um, it's also refreshing to see a show that, unlike the Arrow universe, doesn't have this massive team. Now, granted, um, Stargirl is starting to assemble that by the time we get to episode four, but it is not something where it's done like quickly. It's something that seems organic in every single way. Um, I love the high school dynamic. It One of the things that I loved about the CW shows, whether it was uh, Gossip Girl or Buffy, um, well, I guess Buffy wasn't technically on the CW, um, the WB slash the CW, is that they really put out some great high school soapy dramas. And what this feels like is the best elements of the Arrowverse in terms of some of the humor, some of the action, and that type of thing. I was really impressed in like the CGI for when she's um, fighting one of the villains and he's sending tires at her. I thought that that was really well done in terms of like a action sequence. So you have the action sequences of The Flash, um, Arrow, various other ones, and yet you have this heart that I really haven't necessarily felt with the Arrowverse since maybe The Flash pilot. I mean, because if you remember back then, Barry Allen was just so refreshing. And it's really weird to now be saying this many years later that Stargirl feels refreshing by comparison to Barry Allen, who fucks up the universe every single chance he can get. Um, I think that this cast is really well done. Sometimes you get a, um, a the casting of one of these superhero shows and there's a weak link. And thus far, I haven't felt like there's one. And it just, like, you turn it on and you watch the pilot and it's just like, you're smiling at the end of it. And it that's really weird to have, at least for me. Mo, I know that you watched, or I'm sorry, I know that you've read the comics. How does the pilot um, origin story compare to the comics? Well... I would say there's a bit of, of, of nip and tucks and um, it, they're, they're surgical nips and tucks just to streamline things. Um, in terms of Courtney's origin, so it, it, it pretty more or less tracks what was in the comic because when, when Courtney first came on the scene, she was called the Star Spangled Kid. And it was the same dynamic. You know, Pat Dugan was her stepfather. Um, she finds Starman's outfit. And she doesn't get the cosmic, um, the staff at, at that point. She has um, that belt that she has. It's It, was, it gives her powers. Um, and so... From that perspective, that whole thing tracks. Now, where they made a lot of, lot of the sur- surgical changes is, again, I would say the biggest was, the two biggest, in my opinion, would be the backstory, at least what we've gotten to the JSA and the Injustice Society wiping out the JSA because that's not what has happened in, in the comics. Um, the other really pertains to, to Starman himself because... Um, as you as the show has 
introduced as, as part of the mythology is that um, Starman Sylvester Pimbleton, played by Joel McHale, was the Star Spangled Kid at one point. Okay, now that tracks with the comics, and that you know Pat, aka Stripesy, was his sidekick. He just didn't have a giant robot. Okay, that that that's part of the Courtney Whitmore mythology. That's when that came in. Um, Sylvester Pimbleton did not become Starman in the comics. He was called Skyman, and eventually he was ultimately killed. Ironically, by villains associated with the Injustice Society. Okay, at least that death tracks. What they've hinted at in the show, which will become which which will become part of the larger mythology, is that um, Pat Dugan had, has talked about um, a gentleman named Ted Knight who had created the, the cosmic staff. He was the original star man. And I, and they didn't said that outright, but I think at some point they're going to say that they're going to talk about Ted Knight and his origin. And, um, the Ted Knight stuff in and of itself can be a whole nother spinoff, a whole nother show. But, but more or less, I think they've done a good job of taking the bits and pieces from the, um, from Courtney, from Courtney's um, Stars and Stripes comic that came out like uh, in the late '90s, um, along with the Justice Society of America comic that came out roughly about the same time, a little later in, in the late '90s. But what they have added with some of these characters that they've introduced at, at the high school that um, you keep seeing, such as Beth and Yolanda, you have to go back to a comic called Infinity Inc. to get more on those characters. And um, so so they're kind of taking some pieces from a lot of different places, but they're all connected to the JSA comic book mythology. Two of the primary villains that we see in the early episodes are Christopher Baker as Henry King, a.k.a. Brainwave, and Neil Jackson as uh, Jordan McKent Icicle. Um, they're two of the ones that we see a lot of emphasis. Uh, there are other members of the um, ISA, which I'll let Mo allude to, but they're the ones who... I was surprised because Courtney sort of runs into this handsome young man and you sort of think that it's going to be good vibes and then it ends up being uh, Icicle's son. At the same time, you have um, the bad boy in the school, Henry. His father ends up being Brainwave. Mel, what did you think of how the ISA hiding in plain sight played out? I knew it had to be something because they kept showing, you know, Henry's son and they kept showing Icicle's son as well. I mean, we didn't know that was his son until just recently, but they kept showing them. And usually when that happens in the show, it says it's saying, pay attention to me. This is important for later. So I knew it had to be something like that, but it, it makes sense because it's the whole, you know, small town vibe. Something evil is always hiding and lurking around the shadows. So I was okay with that. But I do, I hope they explore more with Courtney and um, 
Icicle's son. I can't remember his name at the moment. But because um, it seems like, you know, they kind of get along and there's a little spark there. Who knows, you know, what maybe could happen. But clearly Icicle wants all the smoke. So we'll see how it goes. And I feel like her character is smart enough to eventually put things together. So that's one of the things on one hand, she's super smart. On the other hand, she's locked in on her father being Starman, mm-hmm. and it's totally diluted her. Uh, Mo, what did you think of how the ISA is portrayed and the fact that basically every major child with the exception of maybe uh, Yolana is the child of one of the villains? Well, I, I think that, you know, it get, again, it goes back to, if you know Justice Society of America comics, particularly as that concept, the Justice Society of America as a concept started, you know, premiered in like the 19, the early 1940s. And, you know, as those comics grew, evolved over the decades, they, 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 they all, always go back to this theme of legacy. And with the villain, not just the heroes, but the villains as well. And so this next generation of villains, um, I mean, it, in some ways, you know, it reminds me that that, that Disney, that Disney movie about the children of like all of the Disney villains and so forth and villainous the descendants so descendants. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's like a which is which is great because you know it, it's essentially a superhero version of that or a supervillain version of that and of course you know it creates all this sort of drama and teen angst and and so forth and you know you're going to get somebody's going to fall in love if fall in love with you know a Romeo and Juliet type thing we you know um where Courtney, more or less, you know, it's destined to happen. It's going to fall in love with Icicle Jr. or something like that. And it's going to be this sort of uh, back and forth relationship. Now, ironically, if if you know anything about the comics, uh, what makes um, Henry King Jr. Or, um, interesting is that his character in the comics um, takes a very different path than his father. And, um, and so we're, we, we haven't gotten nowhere near the, the comic book version of that character on this show, but obviously there's a whole lot of time for that character to grow and develop and so forth. Um, but again, they're, they are taking, I have not read the stars and stripes comic, um, that they're taking a lot of sort of the, 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 the background, um, per se of, of the show from in, in years. But, you know, one of the big plot points was that Courtney does notice that there are all these strange things going on in her town. And there are a lot of villains here and is trying to deal with that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, 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 see there there's a lot of places they can go with um the children and and interestingly enough um i know that they've introduced a couple other villains that once those villains come to light if you know the show young justice you will be very familiar with the villains do you think that do you, we talked about this in in context to war of Black Lightning and the Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover, 
and the fact that we sort of wondered if they were setting up a something like a young justice with possibly um the youngest jefferson daughter from black lightning whose name slips my mind at the moment um jennifer jennifer thank you um do you think that this could be a precursor to that do you think that or would you like to see uh, an eventual star girl black lightning um crossover or do you would you prefer to keep them out of each other's orbits mel so I was actually thinking about this the other day because the Flash is part of the JSA. Granted, it looks like it's old Flash, but it's still Flash. So I think in my head, the CW loves a good crossover. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they would do a Stargirl Flash crossover. Or like you just said, a Stargirl um, Black Lightning crossover. Or why not a Stargirl Black Lightning Flash crossover? Like, they all are kind of using lightning in different ways. So there's a way to connect them. But then again, with her being like a true teenager, how would that exactly work? Well, and the other thing is what we learned from the crisis on Infinite Earths is that all of the worlds condensed down into Earth Prime. And then we got a little tease that Earth Prime may not be the only one. It's the only one that Earth Prime people can see. Mm -hmm. So... If the Earth where the Flash that was depicted on Stargirl no longer exists, what Earth is this? Mo, can you shed any light? So they'll probably refer to this at some point as Earth 2. Um, the Flash that they've shown on Stargirl, his name's Jay Garrick. It's, it's probably going to be Jay Garrick. Um, okay. They've, you know, and then they've used the name Jay Garrick on the Flash TV show. He he um, he was the villain of season two. Um, um, the uh, he 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 was which one? He was he was not. He was Reverse Flash from season two. So so um, that was the season where they went to Earth two on the Flash. Um, the villain from Earth Three had killed the Earth Two Flash, if I remember correctly. Been it's been a long time since I've watched season two of the Flash. But anyway, the Justice Society of America Flash is his name was traditionally Jay Garrick. And in the comics, what happened ironically is that when DC Comics um, moved move, introduced a new Flash, the Barry Allen Flash, um, they eventually had the Barry Allen Flash meet the Jay Garrick Flash. Um, because they were both on different Earths, and ironically, the um, the Barry Allen Flash, what he knew about the Jay Garrick Flash was every uh, his adventures were in comic books and so forth, and so um, there was that connection between between these universes. So, so there may be something like that that they haven't introduced. Maybe you know the fo- the superheroes on Earth Prime are depicted on Courtney's world in on television or in comics or or some other media we just don't know or it could be the inverse um now mel to bring up the connection with with black lightning now ironically in the uh justice society of america comic from the 2000s um jennifer did end up on the Justice Society team that was that was part of that comic, and ironically, was written by the showrunner for the Stargirl TV series. 
So it could happen. Very much. Jeff Johns, who is the showrunner for this show, he he created he co-created uh, Stargirl, the concept, the Courtney Whitmore character. Mm-hmm. Um, it was based on his sister, um, who tragically died in, in the 90s. Um, and he, along with one of the other executive producers on the show, James Robinson, worked on a revised Justice Society of America comic in the late 90s. And James Robinson, again, the same executive producer, he wrote a very popular Starman comic that began in in 96. Absolutely one of my favorite comic books series of all time, especially during that era. Um, That it's easily the template for a whole Starman TV show. Without a doubt, they're going to borrow from that comic and introduce some some concepts in the Stargirl that they can utilize. But, oh yeah, I mean, they're all kind I'm sure it's probably crossed their mind. That that you know they're they're flat they're Arrowverse characters who have appeared who are JSA characters. I mean, again, they alluded to Hawkman. Hawkman. See, Hawk, and, that was the one yeah. thing that I that sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you, but Hawkman being in the JSA, I was like, okay, this because Hawkman has been one of my favorite character DC characters from the cartoons because. I thought he was hot, um, but the, <laughs> and he's always shirtless in the comics, which doesn't hurt. Um, well, all, you have my full attention, right? Um, so I liked him um, when we had um, the cameo from uh, 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 the Stargate SG One guy played Hawkman briefly on Smallville. I think it was. Um, or am I remembering that wrong? Am I getting it? It's been a while, but I did not like the Legends of Tomorrow Hawks, either of them. I thought that they were terrible. I would love nothing more than to have a, shall we say, a young Hawk man, if it was possible, or to have the Hawks reappear or have Hawkman reappear, but recast with a significantly better actor. But I threw, took us off topic, Mo. What else were you going to say? Well, well I was going to say, you, you are correct. It was, um, you were talking about Michael Shanks, who portrayed Hawkman in Smallville. Um, and he was Daniel Jackson on uh, S- yes, Stargate thank S1. you. I was right. Yeah, that, so I was right. I Okay. But but no, I was just going to say, there, there's, so much, there's so many opportunities for doing crossovers. And if you remember correctly, you know, they've had other versions of Stargirl or Courtney uh, appear in the Arrowverse. Remember that character, a version of her appeared in Legends in the um, second season of Legends of Tomorrow when they did their own version of the JSA. Right. So it's not without precedent for reusing some of these characters. Um, obviously, they'll be on a different Earth, but I, you know, this version, the this this version of Courtney um, is easily the best out of what we've gotten on television. Uh, live action television that is because um, she has appeared in uh, in animated in in the animated medium. You know but, what be, would be wonderful, and once again, I apologize for interrupting. Yeah. Is if on this Earth too, it would be really nice if uh, Laura Vandervoort was Supergirl uh, on this world. Could you imagine an older su- Supergirl blonde with a young Star Girl blonde and those two interacting? I think that that could be fun. 
Luke, I'm surprised. I thought you were about to say Vanderpump, but... No, not Vanderpump. <laughs> that, is, that is an entirely different series. Let's talk a little bit about some of the episodes that have aired. Now, Mo and I have both watched all four that have aired. Amel has watched three of those. So one of the things that I loved about this, in order, in, in addition to be charming, I in, in addition to the show being charming, I also was super surprised that they went and killed off one of the children of the ISA. They killed off William Zarek in the second episode, I think it was. And I'm like, okay, if the ISA will kill the other members of the ISA's children, that means that anybody can die at any time. And it was sort of like a wake-up call early on. Like, I I felt this that it was a wake up call the same way when you first watched the 100, how quickly they were willing to dispatch of a major character or um, someone who seemed like they could have lots of importance or potential down the road and they just kill them off. And so I thought that that was an interesting twist. Um, We also got to see by episode four, we had um, Yvette Monreal's character, Yolanda Montez, she, we got to see the episode in which she um, tries out being Wildcat, and Mel, I apologize for spoiling it, but her family is not happy about her getting in trouble at school, and she actually has a really good scene in which she she tries to be true to herself, admit what she's done, and then instead of accepting what she has not confessed to, but it like said, yes, I screwed up. Her family rejected her and that ended up being the clincher for her to embrace the wildcat story. Mo, what did you think of how that played out? Yeah, I think it was a very timely story, how they how they intertwined that. And no, when you when you watch that, I mean, again, you strip away all the super heroics. I mean, it is a teen drama. Yes. I mean, just a straight up teen drama. I mean, the issues and it makes perfect sense based on, you know, what you've been getting for the last three episodes about this character and the background and just how they fleshed her out and just, just, you know, the issue this character is tackling is a very contemporary issue that amongst teens, I mean, even adults get into some trouble doing it too, but, um, but again, I, I think that adding that layer to that to that character makes her much more interesting. Makes her that family dynamic very interesting. Um, very, you know, from a cultural perspective, it, it 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 tracks. It's very easy to understand when you think about Blue Valley is just a small town, and just you know, people gonna gossip. People gonna say things. Um, I think you'll you'll find that 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 part of that episode very interesting, Mel, when you get to it. So here's the thing about this. As someone who spent many years living in Nebraska, I get that it's a small town. But how in the world can you convince me that a giant fucking robot can just be <laughs> flying across cornfields and no one see it or raise an eyebrow or call in on somebody? That Look. was the one thing that was like. Yeah, so he literally is testing out all of his weapons in the middle of a cornfield 
as if no one's around when you're in Nebraska, which for the most part is pretty darn flat. I was like, okay, uh, obviously this is television Nebraska. Mel, what did you think of the first three episodes that you watched? What stuck out for you? What did you want to know more about? Well, I was going to reply to your how does nobody know this giant robot is here my theory is always the superman theory if clark kent can put on a pair of glasses and nobody knows that superman that's the logic that we're going with so anyway so uh pat uh dugan just basically pulls on a diaper for his robot and, and what happens okay got it's it it's what happens <laughs> we're checking our reality at the door all right okay fair enough <laughs> <laughs> okay, first three episodes. Um, I really like the villain, um, Icicle. I mean, the the cheesy pun is wow, he's cold blooded, but he is like um, he definitely fits his character, and I think the actor is really good. I kind of want to know more and hope they dig deeper into that. Um, I really also enjoyed. I I like the relationship between Pat and Courtney of how it started off rough. And now that she's really, you know, star girl and she's interested, she's definitely coming more into her own, but also accepting him more because he's the one, he has the tools, he has the knowledge, he has the things that she needs. So I, I like the way that the things are developing between them and, you know, the car being the robot. I thought that was a, a nice touch too. Um, but I, I'm really liking where the show is going as a whole. Um, Amy Smart, you know, finally kind of gets a leading role because she has been playing the secondary actress for as long as I can remember. So it's kind of good to see her, you know, finally get more of a leading role. And she's, you know, she's playing the mom, but she's playing the the clueless mom who was like, oh, everything's fine. So it, it, it kind of fits her characters that she's always played. But I I do enjoy the show. I want to I wanna know more. I'm excited to hear um, about Yolanda and Wildcat. I'm, I'm definitely can't wait to watch that episode that I've been missing. Mo, what did you think of the first four episodes? What were the Easter eggs that stuck out for you? Um... Uh, probably one of the biggest Easter eggs for me that um, they had again that that in the first ten they opened the show with this you know climactic battle between the um, Injustice Society and the 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 JSA and um, just that you know just the amount of stuff that they dropped in there whether it was um, Showing hints of, of their version of the green of Green Lantern and the well the Justice Society's Green Lantern or again the Justice Society's Flash and um, the layering of small things like so in the, so in the third episode uh, if you may remember one of the items that was at the JSA headquarters uh, that. that Courtney stole was this pink this pink pen and um, the pink pen actually contains or is a portal to another dimension where there where this thunderbolt this uh, basically this genie 
is the Thunderbolt, and that the person who can activate the Thunderbolt, they've already name dropped that person. They haven't shown that part of that character who's supposed to get the Thunderbolt, but they've name dropped that person. They are just sprinkling so much. Um, they um, in the um, in Justice Society's headquarters, you've got Solomon Grundy um, behind, like he's locked up. You know, if you know the Super Friends, you know, it doesn't, you know, Solomon Grundy. He was a villain on the super, old Super Friends cartoon and um, is an old Batman villain and an, and an old um, Golden Age or JSA um, Green Lantern villain. Just, just so, so many character name drops. Uh, they, they've, for me, probably the biggest is again. I'm thinking about the the linkage to the Starman legacy because I'm very interested in knowing, you know, how they're going to de- to develop th- that whole um, lineage. Um, you know, they've already introduced Ted. It's only a matter of time before they start talking about the the rest of that. They already mentioned a star a classic starman villain um who could eventually uh, pop up and either be a foe or an ally for courtney he's called the shade i mean it's just just so much is just there for for fans of the comics long-term fans of this property to just um to to feast on what are you looking forward to most me personally um so for me, what I'm looking forward to is the development of Yolanda and and Beth, um, because I think I know a little bit about their comic book counterparts and what happens to them. And I think that they will get their time to shine, because when those two characters were introduced in the 80s, let's just say... They didn't get, I think if those characters had been introduced, like, let's say, and, and taken up the mantle, the, the, those two characters will take on, well, and when Beth, when it comes to Beth, you, you'll get to it, but with Yolanda, um, I think that, you know, because we, it's, it's, it's this time period that, you know, you're going to have two women of color take on these two Dang it! I'm, I'm sorry, because I because I, I know a little bit about where they're going, um, but it's just interesting. Like these roles were in the comics were these um, superhero lineages, um, these these guys as these superheroes that were worn by um, white males uh, when these characters were introduced, um, such as Wildcat and another character called Doctor Midnight. Um, but now you know they're going to use. uh, these women of color and these are not like brand new characters by any stretch these are characters who were introduced back in the 80s who who now you know i i think in the in the right context and and will will be accepted and i think there are going to be a lot of people who who will love these characters and i think that their popularity will probably eclipse you know uh could potentially eclipse their white male counterparts it will it will be um the equivalent of possibly of what we got with john stewart in um the the justice league cartoons where you know people think of a green lantern they think 
John Stewart. There is there are a bunch of people who don't realize how Jordan is a Green Lantern, and that most of the other Green Lanterns are white males. That for them, you know, they think it. They see a Green Lantern. They say Green Lantern. They think it should be John Stewart. Um, and I think we're going to get something very similar with a lot, with with those with Yolanda and Beth in particular. What I'm looking forward to is seeing how all of the seeds that they've planted evolve. I mean, we had the character Rick, who was one of the three kids at the table where Courtney sat down on her first lunch. We've barely seen him since, but if you look at if you look at IMDb, he's going to end up being the new hour man, but by episode 4, we've barely seen him. And so I'm like, this show is threading a lot of little pieces and they are not, they are taking their good sweet time to tell a complete story about Courtney, really round her out, add in her team one by one. I mean, depending on when the season ends, I'm not even for sure if like the season finale will just all of them be together or if half the team will still not be together and that will come in season two. I'm not usually someone who appreciates like the slow, slow build, but because Courtney is so charming, because Pat is so charming, because Barbara, um, Amy Smart's Barbara is so charming, I'm just like, Okay, I'll accept it all at face value and we'll just keep going. Mel, if you were going to rate this five cosmic out of five cosmic staffs, how would you uh uh what would you rate it? <laughs> five cosmic <laughs> staffs. Oh, uh, I think it is a solid four point four. Four point four cosmic staffs. Yeah. Okay or staves. Uh Mo, how about you? I go with a four point five. Um, <laughs> see, I, could, I was gonna say something else. I was gonna say cosmic rods, but you know, uh, oh, I, you know oh, I was going okay, <laughs> okay, and I will give it also a four point five. I think that it is as close to a perfect teen superhero soap as we've gotten on the CW. And I cannot wait for more. We would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Akles. And Mo is at uh, Dr. Mo 77 We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody.